Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mig's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO, live with you till 7 o'clock tonight. We're going to lead up to Hockey Gone Wild. Joe Donald will slide in the studio right behind us, but we are going to jam-pack this 6 o'clock hour with a lot of Hawkeye conversations. Chad Lystico, Mark Emmert. Uh, Chad's in studio, Mark's on the phone, and Chad, you set up another fun one today, man. Seth Wallace is going to join us in about 45 minutes or so. Good week for that, considering uh, Iowa's down to about three linebackers total. Which three? We'll find out as we move <laughs> through the show. It seems to be that uh, that conversation we could also have at cornerback. Uh, we'll move through all of this stuff as we go through the hour. Mark Emmert, thanks for giving us time again on a Wednesday. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. We uh, I probably going to rely on you a little bit here for some uh, some preview on Indiana. We'll get to you and Chad and, and kind of some predictions a little bit later on. We mentioned linebackers coach and assistant defensive coordinator Seth Wallace around 645, but before we uh, we look ahead, we should look back for just a moment here, Chad. Nice win for the Iowa Hawkeyes, a 17-point win, 48-31. to I was a little bit surprised by some of the reaction that we got on sound off and that I just heard from family and friends immediately following this game. There were some Iowa fans disappointed in that mm. performance by the Iowa Hawkeyes on Saturday. How did you feel about the 17-point win? Uh, initially felt uh, like, yeah, they kind of probably should have won by more and didn't. That was my initial feel. I rewatched the game. Uh, I felt like the a lot of positive, a lot more positives than I realized, I think, watching it live, in my opinion. I thought the cornerbacks were actually better than people thought. I thought the offensive line wasn't as bad as people thought. Green. And I thought Nate Stanley was even better than I thought in person. And my biggest takeaway from the game, honestly, was hello, wide receivers. I mean, that this position group finally emerges. This was a decent Minnesota defense. I know we kind of ragged on them for having a lot of freshmen, but they're in the top five of the Big Ten in total defense. Uh, not a terrible outfit. Hmm. And uh, wide receivers ended up, I think, 14 catches, almost 200 yards receiving, and a couple touchdowns. And they all and the the, the three of them, I mean, uh, the top three. Look good. Mark, so. I think that's a really good way to look at this, Chad. And, Mark, I'll kind of throw it to you. I saw this same thing. I, I saw a Hawkeye team that you take away a few mistakes, you take a couple of penalties off the board, and this isn't a 17-point game. It's a 24 or 31-point game. You take you know a few interceptions in the red zone. I was really pleased with the Hawkeyes' performance despite all of those mistakes. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. They made probably three big mistakes that kind of kept Minnesota in the game, but uh... – I felt like Iowa was in control really throughout that game, and uh, really was little danger they were going to lose. Yeah, there was that moment, Chad, where I, I, I don't even say I got nervous, but maybe my confidence started to wane a little. Towards the end of the first half, Minnesota put together a really nice drive, sustained a drive down, and I think it was when they punched in their first touchdown of the game. I, there was a moment, again, not that I felt like the Hawks were going to lose, but there was this... Second, mm-hmm. where I thought, ooh, man, Wisconsin or Minnesota looked pretty good moving the ball right there. Well, they started throwing at uh, the freshman cornerbacks, yeah. and those guys stepped up. They got better as the game went on, and that's what you want to see. Um, yeah, it it got to thirty one twenty four, and Mark and I talked about this on the post game podcast. And then once Amir Smith Marset uh, cranked out that forty nine yard kickoff return, and Iowa punched that drive in, yeah. and then it felt like all was well. So, good solid win for the Hawkeyes. I, what was the biggest? Gripe on sound off. 
Your biggest one, one you remember the most. Um, boy, that's uh, that's a tough one, Chad. What <laughs> Too was, many? <laughs> there, not that there were no, there really weren't a lot. I, I would say the biggest gripe was just that um, a lot of fans. I don't think in that moment it, whether it, does. Does the phrase "not seeing the forest through the trees" come to uh, apply here? That too many fans were upset with five penalties. They were upset with a couple of turnovers. Running what's, game wasn't good. Enough. What's Stanley doing throwing that interception at the end of the first half? How do you get twenty carries from your number one running back and get fifty some yards? There were a few things like that. I don't remember anybody calling into question play calling. I mean, obviously, if your if your fake field goal doesn't work, you're probably getting some phone calls of people that are mad about that, right? Yeah. But, I mean, in that first drive, you have a third-down conversion and a fourth-down conversion. In the second drive, a third-down conversion is what is that what, 40-some-yard touchdown, I think, or 60-some-yard 60. 60 touchdown. Yeah, 60. So, I, you know, I, I, again, you go back and look at it with kind of a fine-tooth comb, and I think you can pick apart some of this stuff and, and realize that uh, you really played a solid game outside of a few key mistakes. But in that moment after the game, I think that was the biggest gripe on sound off was why are we still – making these silly mistakes. And you mentioned offensive line, Chad. That was one of the things people called in about. They didn't think Alaric Jackson had a very good game on Saturday. You know, when I rewatched it, uh, it wasn't as, it wasn't as bad as uh, it seemed in person. And in fact, once again, Iowa gives up one sack. Yes, there was a pressure on a screen pass, but Stanley got rid of it. Uh, they're, they've allowed the fewest sacks in the Big Ten this season. And uh, frankly, the, the reason they couldn't run is because Minnesota dared him to throw, and, yeah. and Stanley and the receivers beat him. So, yeah, Ed mentioned that a couple times about the number of guys that mm -hmm. were, were stacking up in the box. Mark, what what was it that made that offense look so good? I mean, by the end of the day, you're looking at a productive offense there. What did what did you see that you really liked? Well, Stanley, I think uh, Chad mentioned it. I think he's had three really good games in a row. Uh, but he made a lot of. I, mean, I know he made one really bad decision that everybody wants to talk about, but he made a lot of really good decisions too, and uh, sort of throwing some deep balls. Uh, obviously, Brandon Smith's best game to date. Well, that was a good time for that. And uh, you know, I, but I really think it comes on him. And he's also, he got a lot. Of, he's getting good protection all year. I mean, he's got time to throw, time to make decisions. Uh, he talked about that on Tuesday. Uh, how much that's helped him this year, and uh, I think uh, it starts with him, honestly. Chad, what did you see from the offense? Uh, the passing game like Mark? Well, the uh, Stanley, to me, is just taking his game to another level. Um, some of the precise and uh, almost uh, decisive way he throws the ball. Um, I mean, even on that first touchdown to Hawkinson, if you rewatch that, there was no window there. I mean, the guy was well covered. He actually put it on the right pectoral muscle of Hawkinson while the uh, defender's left hand was on his other, you know, right. I mean, literally the one spot you could put it, perfect throw, you know, found Smith-Marset for that deep ball. The throw to Easley was probably his best of the day for the touchdown um, at late in the first half. And, uh, you know, he ends up with four touchdown passes, 300-plus yards. Uh, really think they've got a good leader there, and I, that's – that's why I think there's a lot of optimism for me anyway going forward. One of the things that Chuck Long was hoping to see after the bye week and coming into a, this Minnesota game was a more sustained or consistent running game. Certainly seemed like that was an effort, Mark. I mean, you get 20 carries from Amir Smith or from Ivory Kelly Martin rather, and it doesn't equate to a bunch of yards. He only gets into that 50-yard range, but it did seem like that was something they were trying to do, and maybe even that 20-carry mark was some sort of mark they were looking for? Have you guys talked to the coaches at all about that? Uh, no, I, I'm not sure that that's 
true. Okay. Um, I, I do think they want to establish the run still, but uh, teams were taking that away. Minnesota was definitely trying to take that away from them. So I think they made a smart move to uh, move the ball through the air. And I, I honestly think this is becoming a pass-first offense, whether they'll say it or not. That's what it feels like to me. Didn't look like that on Saturday, Chad. I did think it was kind of weird that you that uh, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin ends at twenty carries when Chuck Long was sitting here telling us, "I got to see a more consistent running attack." He even mentioned that on our show on our station last week that he thought Ivory Kelly Martin would be the guy to maybe get twenty carries in this game. You don't think that was necessarily something they went into the game looking for? I mean, they ended up forty carries for one hundred six yards, about two point seven or whatever per carry. Um, and not the numbers you want, but they kept plugging away at it uh interesting that I, I ivory kelly martin you know may not play this week uh would have had more if he didn't take a helmet to helmet hit honestly but uh yeah i'm with mark i think uh they actually came out throwing on that first drive mm-hmm. smart moves um I, hardly any running plays in, in that first drive actually yeah. um five different receivers catch passes on it so i'm with mark i think that i think we're starting to see the evolution of a pass first offense Again, kind of that New England Patriots influence. Uh, keep mentioning it here over the last two years with Brian Ferentz, but if he's got five, six legitimate guys he can throw to, I mean, obviously not six on every play, but uh, you know, three receivers, two tight ends, and yeah. a running back, uh, you know, that he could toss to that, that are good playmakers. Um, that's really, really encouraging. Gives him a lot of options. Let's talk about defense for a little bit, Mark. Did you have any? Did you walk away with any concerns from the defense? Well, yeah, that's that's where the bigger concerns are right now. I think mainly because of injuries. Uh, obviously, they lost Hawk a day during that game. Uh, that's that's a big loss. They lost Amani Jones for a half to the targeting call. Not sure about uh, Hankins and OJ Moody. I think they're going to both be dressed and available, maybe, but not necessarily starting. So they've got uh, some big concerns. I think in the back seven right now, as Chad mentioned, they're down to basically three linebackers or maybe two linebackers and Amani Hooker. As your third linebacker, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, they they can't sustain any more injuries back there. I, I just don't think they're they've got that kind of depth. Chad, that's a injury your big concern right now with the defense. Yeah, I think they the thing for me is they got to get through this week somehow on defense because it sounds like Nick Neiman and Jack Hockaday could be available for the Maryland game. I think another week will do Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudia well. So uh, if they can get through this game, survive it, get the win. All of a sudden, um, and I want to ask Seth Wallace about this if we have time. Um, you've got you're starting to get some pretty good depth there. Just yeah. I mean, and Amani Jones. I mean, he actually uh, kind of looked like we thought he would look in the second half of that Indiana game, and he delivered a really hard hit on a guy. Minnesota, and, uh, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Minnesota. Hopefully, he looks that way in the second <laughs> half of the Indiana game too. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, you may be building some depth there. You got, um, but we'll see. Uh, Geno Stone ends up getting a start. That's yep. a smart move by the coaches, I think, and it sounds like we'll see that more this week as well with uh, Stone and Gervas probably getting the majority of safety action, Hooker, the majority of the outside linebacker, you, you tried slash to ask, nickel action. You tried to ask Coach Parker last week about Riley Moss. You were trying to get him Yeah, to, well, I kind of knew it. something was up there. He gets the start. You weren't, you, were you surprised by that by Saturday? Uh, not super surprised. Okay. No, I was a little surprised. Both were starting a little surprised, but I found that out pretty early in the morning and, uh, I thought they played well. I don't know. I mean, Moss obviously got thrown at, but if you, <laughs> as I rewatched the game, I mean, Minnesota literally for the last three quarters, three step drop, lob it down the field, yeah. see what happens. That was basically their offense. Mark, how did you feel about Riley Moss's first start, first real action as a Hawkeye? 
Yeah, I think Chad's right. He got better as the game went on. Obviously, he had some rough moments there early, a couple passes, but a penalty. Yeah, I wasn't really impressed with the run support, honestly. I'm not sure if he's got the physicality there that they were mm. looking for. He's not as good as Hank certainly in that, in that sense. But uh, I was I was more impressed by Brent. Honestly, I think he's, he's going to be a star of the future. Chad, you agree with that? Well, I think both are. Good. I think all four are going to be capable right now. I mean, my votes would be from what I've seen. Uh, obviously, the coaches know what they're doing. They're going to start the two best guys. But uh, I would, th- I think Hankins and Brents are probably your two best yeah. long-term investments there. Just Moss and Ojemiri both, I think, are very good players. Um, and obviously, Moss has shown something. Uh, and he, he, I mean, gosh, two interceptions, great yeah, ball freshman skills. Freshman of the week in the Big freshman Ten. Freshman of the week yeah. in the Big Ten. So uh, that guy's got uh, – they, they noticed something there, and for good reason. Like I said on our Facebook Live today, it's not like he was getting burned – by 10 yards on double moves. Every time there was a throw, he was there. Uh, Minnesota had good receivers and made a couple ca- big mm-hmm. catches. He was there. He got his arm in there. Guys made the catches at first. I was really but impressed not later. with the way he improved throughout yeah. the game because especially those first couple times, I would say, you're right, Chad, he didn't get burned, but they were going at him. They were attacking him. He wasn't him. turning around. And it, that's what the penalty came from, right? And then... I think it would have been easy in that moment to kind of lose some confidence, lose some mm-hmm. focus, start you know let that self doubt creep in. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. I don't know, but but yeah. I, it would have been he easy about that, for actually. Riley Moss to get yeah. that. And then all of a sudden he ends the game with a couple of picks. He's played really good defense, and he's got a freshman of the week honor that's uh, that's hanging on the wall. So I was I was really impressed with him. I yeah. do think you're right though when you if you're breaking down the uh, the depth chart at cornerback right now. I like. I like your three that you're putting up there in front of him. I think, oh, would you put Ojemudi in front of Moss? I don't right know. Now? I don't know. I almost, I mean, part of me feels like Moss might have beaten him out. Okay. I mean, I know Ojemudi does have a hamstring, and Mark wrote about OJ. So maybe you maybe you have a little more insight there, Mark. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he has been dealing with a hamstring issue. Um, not quite back to 100. percent Yeah, I mean, obviously he played some on Saturday in the nickel packages. He said he was kind of on a pitch count there because he hadn't practiced. Uh, full practice all week. He's been limited in practice too, so he thinks he's close to being back. I think that's what Barron's indicated as well, and we'll find out if he's if he gets back to full health and he still isn't starting. Then obviously we know they like they like the freshman better right now, so that that is a possibility. Chad, I'd like to have a conversation about if the role of the offense has is, is it more important? Has it increased because we're seeing some uh, some cracks on this defense? Before we do that, though, real quick injury update. We you talked about Neiman. Uh, we know about um, uh, Amani Jones going to be missing that first half. Hockaday is out. There are injuries on offense. You said I mean, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin might yeah. not. Might Obviously, miss. the the biggie we haven't talked about is Noah Fant. Yeah, um, what's the story there? He's uh, yeah. I, Ference did not answer my question when I said, "Is he in concussion protocol?" Uh, he said he's injured, as you guys saw. Uh, so yes, I I think that's what it is, but I cannot hundred percent say that for sure. Okay. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be uh, evaluated Friday. They'll make a decision Friday about his stats for the game, and that is a major, obviously a major uh, piece to the puzzle. Um, if he's not in there, that totally changes the offensive game plan. Then my then my bullishness on the offense goes down just a little bit. I can I can see uh, why. as much as I like Hawkinson, but uh, that guy creates mismatches and makes other guys better. All right, so let's just let's assume we have Noah Fant uh, on Saturday for this conversation we're about to have. Concerns about the defense? Does that raise what the expectations need to be for the offense? I'll, I'll jump in first. I'll say yeah. 
Absolutely. I think they got to keep the pedal to the metal. They did against Minnesota. Maybe it burned them on that interception or whatever to, with Stanley, but I still you're like You're talking about the end of the first half? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. yeah. They could have sat on it and gone to the locker room 28-10, getting the ball. They didn't. Uh, it, it backfired. Uh, you know, Then they threw from their own goal line and backfired again, but, yeah. they, but they kept going. And uh, they even threw – that kind of um, you know throwback pass to Hawkinson to kind of put the game away late. So I like it. I think that's the way you got to go in today's college football because teams can catch up in a hurry. And they're facing a lot of teams that can put up points in a hurry coming up. Mark, uh, you, you've kind of been around these guys. Does the offense, are they picking up on this added pressure, or is that is that not something that's being even uh, noticed? Yeah, not, it's interesting because Stanley was asked that very question if he feels like he's got to like, – with the injuries on defense, that's that you know put up more points, more pressure. He, he denied that there's any more pressure. He thinks there's the goal is always to score in every possession, so that's not going to change. But I do think Chad's right. This Indiana team has a much better offense than Minnesota's. I think they got certainly got a much better quarterback, and so I think mm-hmm. it's really imperative for that Iowa offense to to keep pace and stay ahead of them, just like they did in Minnesota. I mean, they, they uh, took the lead early, fourteen nothing, and never relinquished that lead. I think the same thing has to happen this Saturday uh, for them to come out of there with a win because uh, I think Indiana's a pretty dangerous team, pretty underrated. I think that's the mentality you have to have anymore. You can't right. You can't hang on to win 17-14 in today's college football, I don't think. So I like the approach. If it burns you a few times, fine. But try to put these teams away. And that's kind of what happened the other day. They, they did by 17, and it still felt underwhelming. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> Do you, I'm getting an impression here, Chad – that you're a little bit more pessimistic about this week than I am. That you, you seem to have a little bit more concern in your voice as you talk about this this coming game. Am I picking up on that? Well, I think it's tricky. I do. And I picked this before the season as a loss for the Hawkeyes. Uh, now, things have maybe changed a little bit circumstantially. But uh, the reason I'm, I need to see it this week, because they've played three of their last four games have been trophy games. Iowa State, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You expend a lot of emotion in those games. And plus the injury situation, plus Indiana's backs are against the wall. This is a really tough spot. Plus, it's a tough place to play on the road. Yeah. I mean, not not because of the hostility of the environment, but because You're of the, the sleepiness road. of the yeah. environment. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you, at an 11 a.m. game, um, man, those yep. are those, uh, historically Iowa has not <laughs> has has had a hard time getting going in Bloomington. Mark, you feeling the same way for uh, as we near Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough spot. I agree with Chad. I mean, like I mentioned, it's their first early kick of the season. We're halfway through. Those things can be a little tough in terms of, you know, coming off to a quick start, you know, when you're, you're basically up at, you know, 11 or what, 8 in the morning going to the stadium. And I think Indiana's a better team than Minnesota, uh, maybe even better than Maryland. So I think this is a tough game for them. I, I'm not maybe not as pessimistic as Chad, but uh, but I, I understand what he's saying. I mean, the injuries, I mean, that's the big issue right now is the injuries. We don't know about Fant. We don't know about Kelly Martin. We'll find out about the cornerbacks when you know probably the day of the game, and uh, all those things can add up. Two of your starting linebackers, you know, are going to be out of the game. Mm-hmm. The, the, the guy that you initially had at the beginning Three. of the season as your starting linebacker, Three suspended starting at the beginning. Out. Well, now because you talk about Neiman and Hockaday, uh, well, yeah, because uh, uh, Jones will miss the first half, yeah. but yeah, so those are your three. Those are your three. Yeah, okay. Two starters and Jones, who wasn't a starter the last couple of weeks. Well, now you're down to your third middle linebacker. Though. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and you pl- might be playing a safety at linebacker throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the week. Yeah, your point stands. Anthony is going to start us off here. Two eight four five nine six six. If you'd like to join Hawk Central, Anthony, how you doing tonight, buddy? 
Uh, pretty good there, Ross. Uh, kind of a chilly start to start off the weekend with the uh, off the weekend, there, say. But uh, the questions I have for you guys are: uh, What are your concerns about the running game going against Indiana, uh, and how good is their quarterback as well, too? Alice, hang up, Alyssa, and uh, go Hawks. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate that. Mark, do you want to kind of give us a, a preview on what Hawkeye fans are going to see Saturday with Indiana? Yeah, he asked about the quarterback, right? Y- yep. Yeah, yeah. Peyton Ramsey uh, got that job, the sophomore, uh, coming out of camp, and he has been very good. He's a dual-threat guy, I think. Maybe the first real dual-threat quarterback that Iowa has seen this year. Pretty much. Um, and yep. they, they have not always done well against those, as you guys know. But uh, he's completing about uh, two-thirds of his passes for uh, 1,361 yards, 11 touchdowns, five picks. Also, I think has 160 yards rushing and a couple more touchdowns on the ground. I can tell you that Kirk Ferentz was very complimentary of him uh, yesterday and also, I think, very worried about him because he's a guy that actually can improvise a little bit and uh, make some plays out of nothing, which uh, you know, those are the quarterbacks that you really have to be concerned with. So I know the defensive linemen are really, really concentrating on keeping him contained this week. Uh, and they know they've got a much bigger challenge. The good news for Iowa, of course, is their defensive line is the strength uh, of that team, really. So I think those guys will be ready uh, and will maybe you know not give them a lot of time to, to make those decisions. But uh, you still got to wonder about that back seven. And you know, uh, Indiana does have some good receivers, just like Minnesota does. So this is a good challenge. Chad, his first question was about concerns with the running game. You mentioned those yards per carry. Um, yeah, 40 carries, 100-plus yards, just over two yards per carry. That's not good by any standard, let alone what hockey football standards are supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, horribly concerned at this point just because I think teams are really trying to take that away. Uh, And I think Iowa's done a good job adjusting to that. That said, look back at the Wisconsin game just one game ago. They ran the ball pretty well against the Badgers, Um, pretty consistently, actually. And I think a lot of us think they should have run it more. Uh, and maybe could have put that game away with more runs. So it just depends on the matchups. And uh, Ivory Kelly Martin being out this week would be a negative for sure. We did uh, hear some. But they have some depth there. You asked about some complaints on, on sound off. One of them was, what's happened with Torn Young? Why yeah. wasn't Torn Young a bigger part of this offense today? Uh, yeah, the uh, that was a huge complaint we got on, on the Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, I think he's productive every time he goes in. And, and that's why people ask that. Iowa puts him in in the second half a lot of time for whatever reason. I think they feel like they lose a lot of flexibility in play calling when he's in the game because they can't really split him out wide. Um, and that's something that, uh, again, another Patriots influence. They Typically you'll see those more pass-catching, you know, versatile running backs back there, typically, when you're talking about the Patriots, unless they're going to put the game away, and then they go to LeGarrette Blount or whatever. So. Yeah. I think, buddy, I think you're seeing some of that influence. Our buddy Chris Williams gave the running backs a heck of a compliment. He went back and watched that game Monday morning and sent me a tweet or sent me a text about halfway through the game about what a great job the Iowa running backs do of picking up blitzes. Um, and I, I do think that's that's one of the things that maybe Hawkeye fans, we don't uh, acknowledge that enough, that all three of those guys do a really good job of getting back there and getting the, the dirty work done that a running back has to do. Two eight four five nine six six. Justin calling from Urbandale. How you doing, Justin? Hey, you doing well, Ross? Uh, guys, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, comment on those freshman cornerbacks, too, man. I was really impressed with the way that Moss and Brent came out there and played. You guys were right. I thought, too, they had a rough start, um, especially Moss was really getting picked on. But uh, but they came through, man. They were game day players last Saturday. 
Um, one of you guys mentioned something about Moss and run support, and it got me thinking that they probably said your number one focus is the wide receiver, mm-hmm. and let the run you know come later, I guess you know, but something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just good. wanted to say, hey, I thought you guys did a tremendous job, and. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate Thanks, the Justin. phone call, man. Couldn't agree more, and especially in the context of him, Riley Moss, kind of uh, struggling with those first couple. That's a good point, Chad. Do you think there's some validity to that, that maybe Riley Moss was told, listen, in your first start, your first Big Ten game on the road, all of this in one day, let's make it simple. Uh, you're going to basically be in man coverage. Focus on your receiver. Is that, that validity there? Ojemudia is going to be better in run support um, than Moss, I think, at this point in his career. Um, that Iowa puts a high is that, priority is on Is that just an support. experience thing? Yeah, okay. part, that's a big part of it. Um, and I think on this particular day, as uh, uh, Emmert pointed out, uh, with Ojemudia with the hamstring, they needed a guy that could stick with those receivers and not mm-hmm. give up consistent 40-yard 40, 40 touchdowns. And like I said, Moss stuck with the guy. Yeah. And he was yeah. there uncovered. I think they needed cover guys on Saturday. And uh, I think they feel like they need cover guys again this Saturday, which is why maybe we're hearing that Moss and Brents will be the guys again. Mark, your take on this? Yeah. And, well, in, in Moss's defense, too, he's a converted safety. He was playing safety his first few weeks uh, and on that defense. That was you know, kind of more of his natural position. So yeah, not only is he making his first start at cornerback, but he's fairly new you know, as a cornerback. So I think there's, uh, there's probably hope there that he's going to get a lot better. Mark Emmert is in Chicago right now. He's there for Big Ten basketball media days, which start tomorrow. Man, this guy, he's been covering this basketball beat like crazy. I think he even has the official name of Luca Garza's cyst. I mean, nine-pound baby comes out the abdomen. You better put a name on that thing. Emmert will give us all the details next here on uh, Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO. We've got Mark Emmert, Chad Lysico, our friends from the Des Moines Register, hanging out with us. Mark is in in Chicago right now, Big Ten Media Days tomorrow for basketball. Is that right, Mark? Am I my, my schedule correct here? That is correct. Starts at uh, 8 a.m. on the Big Ten Network. Oh uh, man, I'll be to that. I'll be tuned mm. in. 8 a- Who do I get tomorrow at 8 a.m.? What time's huh? Fran go? Jim, Jim Delaney. Oh, when's Fran go? <laughs> Never mind. I'll Fran's tune in at 8:30. What time? 9:40. 9:40. Okay. For Fran, I should be. Our eight players and uh, Fran again about 12:30. Yeah, expecting anything to mark from Big Ten uh, from the Big Ten media days tomorrow, Mark? I mean, nothing. I don't think anything earth shattering. Okay. No. All right. um, just going to talk to, to Fran and some players. And not going to be like conference expansion. They're not going to announce that you know Creighton. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so. not Creighton right now. <laughs> well, you're going to have a good storyline because today the Columbus Dispatch came out with their media preseason rankings poll, etc. Mark and I both voted in it. Uh, we were the two beat writers um, that voted from the Iowa camp. And the Hawkeyes are picked 10th in the Big Ten this year despite returning their top nine scores. I Mark, I would. What do you predict the response is from uh, Tyler Cook, Jordan Bohannon, Nicholas Bear, and Isaiah Moss in Chicago? I think they're going to say they don't care, but uh, I'm going to predict that they actually do care because <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty low. Um, and I think it's all obviously all based on what happened last year. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of hard to argue with it that way. No, I picked them. I think eighth, but. Uh, I do think they'll be a little better than people might think, but uh, you know they got to they got to prove it. Chad, can That's I ask? They do. Where did you put the Hawkeyes? Yeah. Last year, I picked Iowa fourth. Okay. Yeah, me too. 
This year, I picked them 11th. Lower than 10th. Lower than 10th. I did. I need to see. Wow. They can talk about playing better defense, and I think they. I think they will. I, you know, it's got to be better, right? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Be better. But I mean, I was just. I don't think the Big Ten's even that strong. So there's a lot of a lot of room for upside. I think they could get all the way into the top four if they play like they're capable of. No question about it. We's um, can't been as impressive as you'd hope. Just, uh, just, just personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's going to be good, right, Mark? Lock. Yeah, he's start. It's a lock. That was pretty clear. Going to start, you said, Mark? Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. Uh, Fran was talking about how he likes Bear off the bench, which to me tells me that that means Wieskamp starting, which is not a surprise at all. But uh, me, three years of watching Nicholas Bear, I like Nicholas Bear off the bench. Yeah. I, I've all, I mean, yeah. we've all talked yeah. about that, right? There's no question. Yep. yep. I, let me just. I feel like I need to justify my 11th place pick again. I, it's just you compare the teams, you start going down the list, you're thinking, okay, Wisconsin. Well. Um, yeah, a lot of guys back. Lot, just as many as back as Iowa. You just look at other teams. Penn State, eh, they lost a guy or two, but still got a lot of good players back that just throttled the Hawkeyes last year twice. Uh, it's just hard to push them over the top until you see it. Purdue so that, was a team that lost some I mean, big men, but they return a lot of talent. Yeah, I had Purdue above yeah, them. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State finished yeah. top couple in the Big Ten. Uh, Minnesota below them? Yeah, I I think no, I had Minnesota above, above them. Okay. Uh, wow. 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 Yeah, Nebraska ball. You know, Nebraska should be pretty good Fourth. this year. Yeah. Fourth? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they were third. Better question. Who's below them, Chad? Who do you have uh, below the Hawks? Do you remember? Illinois, Rutgers, Rutgers. and I think Northwestern. Yeah. I think that was a three. Yeah. Man. It was either Northwestern or it may not even slip Penn State down there. But I'm just saying that I think they could be top four, but – Last year I got burned. I think that you're. Last year I got burned. I don't blame you at all. I think you're right to go about it this way, Chad. So, Uh, Mark, we should talk about Luca Garza, man. What in the heck? I I I had a cyst one time on my cheek that I had removed, and (laughs) the thing was, I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny little cyst that was still a bulge on my face. How did how did we not notice a nine pound cyst (laughs) growing in a kid's belly? You're you're asking the same question we all asked, and uh, I guess it was. Growing there probably for a while. He's not sure how long, and uh, he didn't notice it until he was working out one day, and suddenly he couldn't stand up afterwards because of the pain. And then he realized, you know, something's not right here, and uh, that's what they found. Yeah, it's, it is hard to believe. I know he's a big guy, but geez, that's uh, he, he said it was the size of a basketball. Now I find that very hard to believe, but uh, but nine pounds is substantial, and uh, obviously that was you know the thing that was scary about it was it was adjacent to his spleen, so they had to be real careful when they went in there to, to cut it out not to uh, impact that spleen because then he could have really been, you know, a life-threatening situation. So the surgeons did a good job. He praised them highly, uh, UIHC, and uh, they got it out of there. He claims he's going to be back. He says he's possible to get back for the opening game on November 8th. That's, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy, that's crazy that's, right, Mark? That's what he's saying. That's crazy. I don't know why he's pushing that hard, but uh, he has started to run again now, and he started to take some shots uh, last week. So he, he certainly thinks that he can do it. Is, is uh, Fran just discussing this like day-to-day? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I'll ask Brandon again tomorrow, but uh, um, I, yeah, he's just—he said it's just uh, you know, undetermined right now. You know, when we back, but they do expect him back. You know, sometime toward the in the beginning of the season, uh, which <sighs> is good news for Iowa because they certainly could use him. He's still waiting on that test, though, right? I mean, you still got to hope yeah, all that goes well. Yeah, yeah. Chad, we still have that'll Big Ten. The, that'll be the big tipping point. Big Ten games that first week of December. Yeah, it's uh, actually late November. Late November. Ooh, yeah, and they've got a lot yeah. of big games. I mean, Wisconsin. 
I we got that 2K Classic uh, mid-November. Yeah. Mark, uh, if you were to look yeah. at this timeline, I mean, and again, we don't know Luca Garza. We're not sure how fast he recovers. I I'm, I'm sure you didn't see the scar. But no. doesn't that seem – I would think that Big Ten openers seems like even an optimistic shoot for a return. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they certainly would like to have him, like as Chad mentioned, at, at that 2K Classic out in Madison Square Garden, which I believe is the uh, what, 16th, 17th, 18th, somewhere in there. Um, November? Yeah, they, they, yeah, November, yeah. They certainly won't need 15, him 16. You know, for Maryland or Missouri, Kansas City or whatever. But uh, So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, if he, if he gets a clearing, his doctor clears him, and uh, he can get back into shape. Right now he's at 238. He wants to be at 245. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's possible. He's a, he's a young man, and they've... I assume he heals yeah. quickly. I don't know. I, I, it's just so so bizarre when I heard the story that it was actually a nine-pound cyst resting on his spleen. Uh, so, I mean, the first thing is you're just happy that the kid made it out alive. Yeah. That's a really scary thing. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that serious, Mark, honestly, from the uh, no. even from the reporting yeah. that I've seen. I didn't I, realize it was that close I to being. I from his dad that it was it was pretty bad, but his dad wouldn't give me even those details. So. Uh, but Luke himself was happy to, happy to share the story <laughs> when I asked him. How big it was? He, he had the exact answer, and also 4.3 liters of fluid. If anybody's keeping track of that stuff, too. So. I'm more of a gallons guy. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, when we get back, Seth Wallace will be joining us, linebackers coach, assistant defensive coordinator. Going to be a great week to talk to him. There's a lot of questions about linebacker. Uh, interested? Maybe we can even get him to to kind of sound off on the Amani Jones suspension. Kirk Ferentz was on with Murph and Andy earlier today. He kind of talked about that uh, they were a little bit disappointed that, uh, that the NCAA didn't come back and uh, and decide to, to change this suspension. We'll talk about uh, talk with Seth Wallace. Was that really a possibility? We got a lot more stuff to get through in the final fifteen minutes of Hawk Central here on fourteen sixty KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G Migs Fifth Street Pub on fourteen sixty KXNO. Wrapping up Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. This has been a, a fun football season for us for several reasons. Obviously, this nice start from the Iowa Hawkeyes makes it fun to get together with my buddies on Wednesdays and talk about uh, my favorite college football team. But it's been kind of an extra special bonus because we get to talk to uh, some of the football coaches, and that's a rarity for us uh, in the middle of the season. This week, it is linebackers coach and assistant defensive coordinator Seth Wallace with us. Seth, thanks a lot for giving us t- a time, Coach. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. We want to kind of pick your brain about some things. I'd like to go back, first of all, before we look forward and talk about this game with uh, with Minnesota. We knew last week we had Coach Parker on with us, and Chad and Mark trying to kind of, try, kind of tried to corner him on Riley Moss's role coming up against Minnesota. He wasn't very specific with it. We obviously know now that Riley got his first start, comes away with freshman of the week in the Big Ten. But I'd like to go back to uh, kind of get inside your brain right before that game. How nervous are you as an assistant defensive coordinator when you've got two freshmen out there on the corners? Well, I think, uh, you know, you, you try to you try to get past the nervousness and, and, and just really look at the body of work that, uh, <clears throat> that both of those guys have had, um, Riley and Julius, over the course of, you know, what's really been about eight weeks now. And, um, you know, I think there's enough out there that, you know, that we felt real comfortable with him being out there. Um, you, you certainly don't want to display any nervousness as a coach. But, you know, in the back of our mind, we knew exactly what Minnesota's, um, you know, plan was going to be to a certain degree. Um, we didn't want to let the cat out of the bag that we were going to start two freshmen, um, 
you know, real early. I think Chad may have done that um, <laughs> Saturday, Saturday morning. And, um, you know, so it, it came about. And, um, you know, both of those kids got their feet wet um, real early. And, you know, they, they in some ways probably had the fans nervous early in the game. But, yeah. you know, with both of them all, you know, I'll, I'll just piggyback what Coach Barron said. I mean, they kept playing and they kept playing. And, you know, by the end of the game, you could have looked at either one of them said that they were they were player of the game for us defensively yeah. or um you know they both could easily have been freshmen of the of the week in the big 10 sounds like you're going to have four options there this week hankins ojemudia brents moss when will the decision made be made on who's the starter is and what is the t- determining factor on who starts against indiana well i think you know with with two guys that are coming back from injury you just you, you got to be real careful with you know where they're at um you know what what their percentage of health is, and and then you got to you got to look at how much they practice um, during the course of the week. And and I'm not you know I'm not you know here to tell you how much they have or haven't practiced, <laughs> but you know I do think that's part of it because you know we're we're seeing yeah. an explosive offense that uh, you know has had a lot of success throwing the ball. And, and when you're talking about defensive backs, I mean that's they, they've got to see those. They've got to see those pictures during the course of the week in order to feel comfortable, and and so do the coaches for that matter. So, you know, I think it's it's still a wait and see. The the nice thing is is you've got <laughs> you've got two guys that are getting back close to being 100 percent healthy that, that have a lot of experience under their belt, and then you know hopefully you've got two freshmen that you know just played a played a hell of a game last week and, mm-hmm. and have to be feeling confident about where they're at. So, Coach, uh, onto the linebackers, which is your specific uh, position of uh, focus. And uh, sounds like Jack Hockaday and Nick Neiman um, may be on track uh, next week for Maryland, according to Coach Ference. Um I kind of want to ask about Neiman, though. Uh, seems like he was really playing at a high level before he got hurt. Maybe give us a sense of uh, you know how how well you as coaches saw him playing before that injury. Yeah, I think I think each week. Um... Nick played better and better and you know it was unfortunate that, that that injury took place on you know on that last play of the game against uh, against Wisconsin but you know up to that point I, th- I think we were all very pleased with how he was playing and how he was progressing and um, you know I'd add this that he, he's been outstanding um, since the injury with with the way that he's approached things whether it be whether it be his training, whether it be, you know, the, the rehab that goes into um, coming back from that injury and, and then also just the way he's been in the in the meeting room and, um, you know, around the field. But, you know, we, we were pleased with it. We're continuing to, to be pleased with it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, it's it's uh, it's right around the corner that we'll have him back out there. You think both guys have a good shot next week against Maryland to, to be yeah, ready? Yeah, I think, I think both guys have a real good shot next week against Maryland. You know, it's I'm not. I'm not saying it's out of the woods. Um, right. You know, this week for for either one of them, but yes, definitely next week. Okay. Speaking of uh, guys that uh, suffered tough breaks, Monty Jones feel terrible for the guy. Uh, you know, we've been into the targeting thing for four days now. Not going to ask you specifically about that, although I thought it was iffy at best. I think you've got a way better angle here, though, Chad. <laughs> Much more creative here. So one of the players told me. Um, that he has to sit in the locker room during the first half and wait out his suspension there. Is that, is that right? That is, that is correct. Jordan Lomax had to do the same thing. Okay. Um, you know, when we were at Pittsburgh, I believe that would have been mm. back in, uh, 
14. Yeah. He had to do the same thing. So what do you, uh, what do you tell well, him to do? I mean, what what's the – I mean, is he in pads? Is he watching on TV? Is he – you know, getting himself fired yeah, I know up. This or corny. Or I know this sounds corny, coach, but we're just, we're blown away by this. Like he comes out and he warms up with the team and then has to go back to the locker room. Is there somebody there with him? Walk us through this. Well, I hope there's somebody there with him. <laughs> uh, however, I can, assure, I can assure you that this guy can strike up a conversation with a wall. So, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's quite, uh, you know, he's, he's different in so many good ways. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it is unfortunate. I you know I, I don't know the specifics behind the rule. I do think that that seems a little bit, um, you know, out of probably what what really needs to take place. And I don't see where there would be a situation that you would cause any trouble, or you know, I mean, being on the sideline, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or be put into the game, you know, when he shouldn't. But you know, it is what it is, and um, he will he will be in the locker room. Um, you know, we'll have a plan for him, mm-hmm. but. You know, I, I, I want to believe that Jordan Lomax actually was able to watch the game when we were at Pittsburgh um, back in 14. So I think it provided him with um, with maybe even more uh, than, than what it would provide somebody, you know, on the field just because of the angles that the television will yeah. give you, you know, in, in his preparation towards the second half. Yeah, I never thought about that, Chad. You get the inside commentary. You know, maybe the maybe the <laughs> well, color guy is, says, you know, they were working on a fake punt during practice this week. I saw him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, I, didn't, Coach, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, we also have uh, our Mark Emmert with us. We'd like to uh, get him in on this conversation for a bit also. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, Seth, I actually wanted to ask then about uh, Amani's replacement, uh, Christian Walsh. We've seen him play. Probably be your most versatile linebacker all year, I guess. First of all, start there. What 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 is it that makes him so versatile that you can put him wherever you need him? With Welch, yeah, yes. Um, I'm sorry you cut out there, but um, you know, Kristen is Kristen is a real smart kid. Um, you know, the the one thing that he's had the luxury of is, is when when we had the three starters. Um, you know, our previous two years is is he had the luxury of being able to work at multiple positions and I think that has paid off for him up to this point um you know certainly headed into this week you know it it has paid off for him because you know for two years he sat behind some linebackers that you know we we would go into each week moving Christian around wanting him to play the Leo wanting him to play the Will wanting him to play the Mike and and I think he's he's done a, a very diligent job um you know of of learning you know, all three of those positions. I'd, I'd go back to like Neiman last year when we had to put him in at, at Mike against, uh, you know, against Northwestern. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's the same situation, but it, um, you know, there's a, there was a comfort level amongst the staff that, you know, okay, here's, here's our next guy that, that would fill this void, you know, based on the situation that we're in. Yeah. Now, if he has a good game Saturday, is it possible that he wins that job? I mean, what do you, what do you want to see out of him Saturday? You know, I mean, there's there's been so much juggling up to this point that um, you know I, I can't say that you know I can't say that he would win the job if he has a real good game. I know this; he would, um, you know, he put himself in a position where where we all believe that you know here's another guy that you know that we can plug and we can place and and. Uh, you know, trust to be in a role, you know, whether it be at the will position or the Mike position, which, you know, there's, there's been a little bit of uh, <clears throat> flipping and flopping going on at, uh, at both of those positions, you know, up to this point, you know, Jack kind of settled into his, but it would give us a better sense of comfort 
heading into the following week when you're not sure exactly, you know, are you going to get Jack back? Are you going to get Nick back? I, I just think that, you know, this is a great opportunity for him. It's a great opportunity for us. And, you know, we're, we're hoping that we've got him, <clears throat> that we've got him in position to, uh, to play well this weekend. Coach, uh, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask about three guys real quick, if possible. Yep. Uh, Dylan Doyle, uh, it sounds like he's next man in a middle, middle linebacker. How far behind is he from those from those two guys, uh, Welch and Jones and Hockaday, actually? Uh, the other two guys, Aaron Manns, any chance you get him back this year? And lastly, Devontae Young, looks like he has switched to defense, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on how that took place. Okay, starting with starting with Dylan. Um, D- Dylan's done a, a, an outstanding job up to this point, and you know we've, we've been afforded with the opportunity to play those other guys and, and not not play Dylan anymore. I think he's he's been in for one game, which you know it's the it's the midpoint of your season. Yeah. You know you got to be asking yourself, you know, could could you could you help your team out if if he could get a red shirt out of this deal? And and we're we're in a fortunate situation with the rule change that you know if if we need to, you know, I feel comfortable, our staff feels comfortable that Dylan Doyle could go in there and and run our defense from a linebacker mm. standpoint. So. You know we're good, we're good there, and you never know. You may see it. Uh, you may see it this Saturday with with him in the game. Sure. Aaron Aaron Mims has done a great job um, up to this point. I, I think I think he's starting to transition. Um, you know, into those steps where we're getting back on the field is is a little bit closer than uh, <clears throat> you know than it was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I, I can't tell you what that timeline sure. exactly looks like, and then. And then Devontae Young's just a, you know, it's, it, it's a credit, you know, in some ways to Phil Parker, and <laughs> part of it has to do with our lack of depth. Um, you know, there about two weeks ago when we moved him over to over to defensive back, but you know, he's he's accepted that role, and you know, you never know, you may see him in the game in some type of package um, down the road. It's going to take some time, but um, you've got a willing worker there, a good young man that's. Uh, you know, is, is obviously eager to, to contribute in, in any way. Um, and he certainly accepted this role. And, um, you know, again, I, w- I wouldn't put anything to, anything past uh, Bill, you know, in, in terms of getting guys ready. And yeah. next thing you know, you see him in the game when maybe you didn't expect it. Coach, thanks so much for giving us time here on a Wednesday midweek. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank, thank you, guys. We appreciate everything. Thanks, you bet. Guys. Coach Seth Wallace, linebackers coach, assistant, defensive coordinator. All right, Chad, we got about a minute here, dude. Indiana predictions. I'm going first. You're up first. You're the, you told I, me you're already done. You yeah, got your prediction printed, man. Yeah, it's not printed, but I, I wrote <laughs> it up. Uh, I picked Indiana uh, preseason, but uh, you'll have to read it all on Saturday, but I I flipped. I flipped my pick. I really debated it uh, long and hard. Uh, I just think Iowa has the. I just think Iowa's a good team. Last time, uh, and you, that's last time you flipped, you were wrong. No, I wasn't. You, you flipped from. No, I flipped the Iowa. I flipped the Iowa oh, State that's game. The Iowa State. Emmer flipped. Okay, Emmer flipped. So I've got Iowa winning thirty-one twenty-four and covering the spread. That's okay. I had, I was thinking thirty-one twenty-one, and I was kind of creeping that to a closer game as I was listening to you throughout the night. Mark, what do you think happens on Saturday with Indiana? I got Iowa twenty seven twenty one. I agree with Chad. Okay. This is a better team. Yeah, I like that. At least we all three come away with a Hawkeye victory. Let's hope that uh, next week when we get together, we're talking about another victory, previewing Maryland. Is that right? It'll be Maryland at home the yep. following week? Okay. Big Ten basketball media days starting tomorrow. We'll get Emmert on to uh, kind of recap all of that also. Thanks so much for listening. Big thanks to Seth Wallace for joining us here on Hawk Central. Thanks to all of you for your phone calls. 
Huge thanks to Chad Lysico and Mark Emmert for setting up another fun show. We'll be back at it. Hockey Gone Wild up next here on KXNO.